Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Great Commission Community Church. Um, as we do every Sunday, we are gathered here today to tell God's story together, to encounter the Spirit together, and to be formed to be like Christ together. This is a place where anyone can come and meet God. Um, as you are able, please stand to read this invitation to worship aloud together. So I will read the text in italics shown on the screen, um, and please respond by reading the words that are not in italics. This is from Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases. Who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Please pray with me. We praise you, Lord, with all that we have within us as we remember who you are and all that you do for us. Thank you for your forgiveness and for healing, for crowning us with steadfast love and mercy. You satisfy us with good and you renew our strength. Let us see your beauty and majesty. Fill us with joy and thanksgiving. We are here for you. Amen. Let's sing together. Breaks to life, and the 
you to introduce yourselves after the service. Again, the peace of Christ is with you. Um, so I just have a few announcements to make. Um, firstly, as always, we welcome any and all newcomers to our church. Um, if you would like to get in touch with someone at our church um, or just learn more about us, um, please reach out to this email, welcome at greatcommissioncc.org. Um, also, as always, plugging our Tuesday evening prayer meetings on Zoom. 
Um, these are at 8 p.m. again on Zoom, and they are um, one hour long. Um, the topics for prayer are chosen beforehand, so um, we pray for different ministries, um, different people in our church, um, and also current events. Um, and so this is a really valuable, albeit short, time that we take out of our weeks to spend praying with others in our community. Um, and so, yes, please um, join us on Tuesday evenings for our prayer meetings. Um, we started small groups for this year, this past week. Um, and if you are not already in one, please consider joining a group or adding your name to a wait list for groups. Um, there is some fluidity in this first month of small groups, um, just as people, um, you know, switch in and out. Um, so, yes, um, if you are not already in a small group, um, please sign up for one or um, add your name to wait lists. Um, so next Sunday, September 24th, um, from 1 to 3 p.m., um, please join us for a lunch on discovering our global mission. Um, so we will be sharing about how our community is globally engaged and on mission. Um, and this will be a great opportunity to learn more about our upcoming missions trips, um, ongoing partnerships, and um, ways to get engaged regularly. Um, so if you would like to join us for that lunch, please RSVP online by September 20th. And then on Saturday, October 7th, um, please join us for a parenting panel about more fruitful parenting. Um, so we will be hearing from people who have spent time wrestling with this topic themselves um, and explore what Jesus says about this topic. Um, topics covered will include how to have healthy margins, what are warning signs to look out for regarding margins, um, and how to create time and space in your life and your child's life for God to bear fruit. Um, so for this, we will be meeting at Arlington Community Church at 10 a.m. again on Saturday, October 7th. Um, coffee and snacks will be provided, but there will be no child care. Um, so, and also feel free to invite friends. Um, so for that, please sign up online as well. Um, so October 8th is the deadline for signing up um, for, or rather um, submitting your application for the upcoming missions trip that our church is taking to Central Asia. Um, so we are excited to take a team on a missions trip to support our partners and the work they are doing in Central Asia from March 2nd through 9th in 2024. Um, so if you would like to go on that trip, please submit your application by October 8th online. Um, and if you have any questions about that, please contact Pastor Jonathan. Today, after service, um, we are having one of our welcome lunches. Um, and if you are new to our church and would like to join us for the welcome lunch, um, but you haven't RSVP'd yet, you are still more than welcome to join us. Um, and so if you would like to come, please find Michelle at the welcome table outside of those doors, and she will help get you there. And speaking of newcomers, we are so happy that Pastor Chris Chen has joined us with his wife, Christine, and their baby, Enoch. Um, they are all moved into their new home in Arlington, so we will have them come up and introduce themselves. Um, can you all please give them a warm welcome? Uh, we're super excited to be here. Um, Enoch is, is being fed right now. 
uh, those who know how, how babies are. So, so ba Baby and Christine will, will join us in a bit. Um, but uh, we moved in last Thursday uh, into Arlington. We're, we're about seven minutes down the road. Uh, Columbia and Walter Reed. I'm, I'm learning the area right now. Uh, but we're, we're super excited to be here. Um, we really felt like this, this was a God thing that, that brought us here. Uh, and so we're, we're really excited to, to know the community, know the area, know the church, uh, and know God's mission for this area uh, and how we can partner with what God is doing here uh, and just be his hands and his feet into this, this area. Uh, and so uh, in the next year, uh, I would love to, my family, and I would love to get to know uh, you guys. So please, please come say hi, uh, and please show us some, some grace and mercy if, if, if we're not good with names. You might have to remind us uh, a little bit. But we are really looking forward to partnering with, with you guys and what God is doing here. Thank you. Yay. Thank you, Pastor Chris. Um, okay. Lastly, we um, do not collect a physical offering here at GCCC. Um, we collect offering online. Um, and so will you all just um, bow your heads in prayer with me as I pray for this week's offering? Lord, we thank you for your provision and all of the blessings, material and immaterial, in our lives. We thank you for all of the ways that you are working in our church through our different ministries and also through the relationships that we have with one another. We thank you for the opportunities we have to share the gospel with others, both locally and abroad. And yeah, we just pray that we would give this offering joyfully and humbly, believing fully that all we have is yours. Um, please lead us to steward these resources and give us hearts and minds that are generous and satisfied only and totally by your good. Um, in your son's name, I pray. Amen. All right. Good morning, everyone. Um, hope you guys are well. Um, last week, we were talking about Genesis 1, and um, we were talking about how it tells us that everything was made by a person not a force, and how this person speaks and sees things in this world as good. And today we're going to talk again about Genesis 1, but from a different angle. So next week, Pastor Steve will be here to talk about Genesis 1 again from a third angle, and I suppose we could talk about Genesis 1 for weeks and weeks, but we'll just do three. Um, so today, uh, if you could turn with me again to Genesis 1, um, we'll be reading not the whole chapter again, but we'll be reading... Um, just a, a few sections or a couple sections. Um, as you turn there or um, bring that up on your device, um, let's, let's pray together. God, we thank you for this word. Uh, we thank you this word um, for this word that comes from you to us. Lord, a word that was um, overseen um, and in a way spoken, in a very real way spoken by the Holy Spirit. And also for this Holy Spirit who is... Uh, with us now, Lord, helping us to understand, helping us to hear uh, you uh, now. Lord, in the presence of your Holy Spirit together, we want to just give ourselves to you, want to 
kind of be open to you and open to um, kind of the Spirit's good work and good word uh, for us and for this world. Lord, lead us, and, and through Christ we pray. Amen. So I'm going to be reading the first couple verses of Genesis 1, and then we're going to skip toward um, a little past um, halfway um, in Genesis and Genesis 1, and we'll read a couple more verses. So it starts, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That is, God created everything. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. We're going to skip ahead to verse 26. God said, let us make man or humanity in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heaven and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. All right, amen. So we'll stop there. Um, if you know, like, basic Jewish or Muslim theology, uh, theologies that treat Genesis 1 as words spoken by the Creator, you might know that these are monotheistic faiths. That is, they say there's one God. Uh, not many gods, but one God. And when we think about the first audience of Genesis 1, the first people hearing Genesis 1, their world is a world of many gods, where each people group, like every nation, every people group had a god or gods. And when I think they're reading or hearing Genesis 1, it's jolting because they're seeing, according to Genesis 1, that Yahweh, their god, who brought them miraculously out of Egypt and slavery in that you know, ancient superpower Egypt's land, this Yahweh, um, he's not just Israel's God who happened to be stronger than the Egyptian gods that one time at least when we left Egypt. But it turns out, according to Genesis 1, that Yahweh is the supreme God, the God who made everything. And not just that, these, they're, like, if there are other gods, they're not in this story. This Genesis 1, uh, even though we just read a, a few verses from it, we, you might remember that the tone of Genesis 1 is just is serene. The structure is very orderly. It's, it's peaceful creation, just under total control. But then when we have in mind like how God is so only, so unique, there are some things here that are odd. Okay? There are some things here that are odd. And if you read this or hear this chapter and have already heard somewhere that there's one God, um, famously in Deuteronomy, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one, that there is no other God. There are some oddities here. There are some things that make you go, huh, hmm. So I'm just going to point out three of them. So one is in verse 2. It says, God made the heavens and the earth. And then it says, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So right away, you're like, wait, God is making everything. And then there's like the spirit of God hovering over the water. What does that mean? What does this mean? Kind of makes you go, uh-huh, hmm. And then in verse 26, 
we see God making humanity, the first human being, uh, the first human um, community. And it says, in verse 26, God said, let us make man or mankind or humanity in our image, in our likeness. Not being the only God, let me make man in my image, in my likeness. That's it's weird. It's like, what? Okay, what's going on here? And then after that, the, the little mini poem within the poem that we have in verse 27. So God created man in his own image. Okay, so we're back to the singular. So it's like, okay, I'm kind of back to more solid footing. In the image of God, he created, um, he created him. Okay, mankind. And then male and female, he created them. It's like, wait, what? Like, wait, are, is it plural or singular? What's going on here? And, I, I, you know, I think, so what do we do here? What do we do with this? And I think what we are, like, just welcome to do, I guess, in, in the Scripture is to go to other parts of the Scripture to help us, especially parts that seem to explain Genesis 1, like they're actually talking about Genesis 1. And one of those places is John. And so I just want to read uh, a little bit from John. And so the first part we're going to read, actually we're going to read more from John than we did from Genesis. But I um, just want to start with John 1, verse 1. So this is the Gospel of John. It's the fourth book of the New Testament. John chapter 1, verse 1. And this is what John writes. In the beginning, in the beginning, so immediately when you hear in the beginning, I think especially if you're familiar with the Bible, you, you think Genesis 1. Okay, it's like a clear illusion, especially for people, like I said, who know the Old Testament or Hebrew scripture. In the same way that if someone says today, like four score and seven years ago, immediately we, we think, you know, of a particular speech or I have a dream. Immediately, we think of a particular speech, like, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. It's, it, already, we're starting to think of a certain speech. So here we go, John 1. I mean, you might think of it also as, like, an illusion or a reference, or you might think of it as, like, a sampling. Like, he's sampling Genesis 1 here. So in the beginning, in the beginning, was the word. Okay, so... John's doing his own little twist now already on Genesis 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So right away we're like, okay, John is doing something with Genesis 1. There's a, another person involved, actually. There's God, but there is someone with God. And this someone is called the Word here. And if we skip down um, in chapter 1, we'll see in verse 14, the Word became flesh. This Word that was there at the beginning, that was, that was um, part of creation, like not part of, like not that this Word was created, but this Word was part of the act of creating everything, Verse 14, this word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Verse 17, actually verse 18, no one has ever seen God, the only God, 
who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. So it's like, wait a minute. So God's the only God, but there's someone at this God's side called the Word. And this person is Jesus. That's who John is talking about, and that's what the rest of John's book is about. Um, so instead of, like, avoiding the oddities of Genesis 1, like, oh, wait, there's a spirit of God, too? Like, let us make man in his image? And, and there's, like, male and female? Like, what's going on here? He actually reinforces and runs with those oddities. And there's this new understanding of it that John has given to us. And so, a, a, like, a Christian reading of Genesis 1 is that God is there, Jesus is there, and the Holy Spirit is there. But at the same time, God is one. I was like, hmm. So let's skip to John 17. So this is uh, the second part of John that we're going to be reading. John chapter 17. John 17. When Jesus had uh, spoken these words, he lifted his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son, that is me, that the son may glorify you. So glorify me so that I will glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life. This is not just like living forever, like immortality. This is eternal life, 17.3. This is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That's what it is to have eternal life, to have a life with God and Jesus as Jesus calls him, like the Father and Jesus. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. So it's like this, I glorify you, you glorify me. And then we skip ahead to verse 20 in chapter 17. Um, I do not ask for these, kind of these close disciples with me, but also for those who will believe in me through their word that they may all be one, like all these people who follow me will be one. Just as you, Father, are in me and I am in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. Skipping down to verse 26, the last verse of this chapter. I've made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. See, a Christian reading, according to John, a Christian reading of Genesis 1 is that Jesus was not created either, that Jesus is God. And furthermore, the Spirit of God is a distinct person from God, whom Jesus calls Father. And, and by the way, I'm just going to say this real quick. Is God male? Because we call God Father. Um, no, because we can say that God is beyond our sex and gender. Like, whatever your sex, you are part of a humanity that images God. So God must be beyond like one specific person's gender or sex. Like Jesus calls God Father, which for us is usually a male image, but that doesn't mean that God is male, just that God used that metaphor along with many other metaphors that do or do not imply gender so that we can understand God just a little bit. You know, it's just think of it as like accommodation or like imagine if you're, uh, like you go back in time 100 years, like go back in time 100 years, like in a time machine. Anyway. <laughs> Like, I'm like, oh, man, there's so many things we can do. Anyway, but you go back in time 100 years, 
like, and try to explain the internet or your, like an iPhone to people 100 years ago. I mean, you're, you're, like, and you have to explain it. You can't just give up. You have to explain it. So you have to accommodate people like, with what they know. It's like, okay, it's sort of like um, you guys have a telegraph, right? It's sort of like a telegraph or, you know, like, have you heard of carrier pigeons? It's like, it's sort of like that, you know? Or it's like a notepad, like you have notes that you write and it's like, it flies or, you know, I don't know. You have something, but none of those accurately describe really, like, th those aren't an iPhone. They're just an iPhone sort of like that. And in the same way, like, none of us can know God because God is beyond us. And so all we can do and what the Bible gives to us constantly is just different images and metaphors of God. So to say, oh, God is a father, therefore God is like a male person whom we call father, I mean, that's stretching the metaphor way too much. It's just an image of God. You know? Also, God is a mother hen keeping us in, under her wing. You know, Is God literally a hen? Like, no, of course not. So this is what we're talking about here. Um, so if you're like, hey, I know, by the way, since we're talking about Genesis 1, let me ask this question. Yeah, is God male? No, God is beyond our sex and gender. But a Christian understanding of Genesis 1, a Christian understanding of Genesis 1 says that this creator of all things, this creator of all things, this unique, one, only creator of all things is a community. Okay, so number one, I'm just going to give us two takeaways from Genesis 1 today. Number one, the creator is a community. Like our communities. Like, a, like just, again, God, lets, God accommodates us. Just lets us understand who God is. God is a community. Like a family. Like a group of friends. Like a basketball team. Like a consulting team. God is a community, but much more than this. The ancient church, especially the ancient church east of Rome, which became known as like the Eastern Church, um, they mostly spoke Greek and the Western church spoke Latin. And the ancient church in the east especially talked about this community of the creator, that this creator is a community, as basically like a dance team, you know, they use this word, this Greek word, and it's not in like John 17 or Genesis 1, but this Greek word that they had in their vocabulary is perichoresis. And it's this idea of like movement, like interplay. And that's where we, like peri is like around, like perimeter, perimeter. Perichoresis, choresis is like where we also get the word like um, choreography, like, you know, dance. Um, so this is often related to dance, you know. It's also where we get the word like, a charizza, like sausage. No, I'm just kidding. No, but it's just choreography. So perichoresis, it's like dancing around. It's a movement together, around and about. And this is what the picture of the creator is. They're, they're dancing together. They're in perichoresis. We'll just show a few slides just to give you guys some, like, uh, just like a, a visual image. It's like a dance team. Do you guys remember Jabberwockies? Yeah, yeah, like America's Best Dance Crew. Uh, anyway, I remember that show. That one, that one guy would always call the other person, like, Mamacita. I thought it was so funny. Anyway, and then the next image. Uh, yeah, so this is, you know, ballroom dancing. It's beautiful. Um, sometimes we do ballroom dancing, like, on ice. And we do this. And then we, yeah, we have dance teams. We have pairs. We have 
dance groups. It's not a single person dancing. It's not one person dancing. It's not a one person dance, but it's a group dance. See, the Bible says that God is love. And many people who are not readers of the Bible might say the same thing. Like, we usually think that this means that God is like a very loving person or that love, especially like the acceptance part of love, is so central to God's character that God is basically love. But in John, and which is where that phrase comes from, God is love, John writes that, God is love has, a, has sort of a different, deeply rich meaning when we understand that God is three-personed. That God is one, but he is three-personed, a dance team. What holds these three persons of God, these three persons that are, that are together, the creator, that single creator, what holds these three persons together? What holds these three persons together so much so that Christians from 2,000 years ago, as they were start, like people just like John, could say that with totally clear conscience, totally honestly, with deep intellectual honesty, say God is one but God is three persons. Like, why can they say God is one? Wait, three is not one. You know, so how can you say God is one if God is three? It's because these three are so together. They're so in sync. They're in such perichoresis that they are one. So God is one, even though God, this creator is three persons. What holds these three persons together? What is the choreography that they follow? What is the music that they dance to? What is their team's project, their company's mission that they are actually very super consistent to? It's love. It's self-giving love. It's a life for others, with others, in others, where it's like my desire is your desire. My goal is your goal. Your delight is my delight. Your life is my life. And that's the picture of this creator's life that we have. The creator is a community. A Christian reading of Genesis 1 says that what is so holy and beautiful and good about this three-person creator isn't their detachment. It's not their lack of desire and thus their freedom from suffering. It's their shared desire. It's their deepest level foundational attachment to each other. That's the life of the creator. This creator is a community. It's beautiful. And then the second takeaway from Genesis 1 is simply this. Life is meant to be a life in this community. Life in this world as part of everything that this creator has made. Life is meant to be life in this community, the community of the creator let me read again, John 17, 3. This is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. This is eternal life. It's not immortality. It's relationship. It's connection. It's oneness. It's dance. See, the mission of Christ isn't just to help us with certain problems or to give us certain benefits like character building or peace of mind or, or even something like assurance of eternal life. They might be part of it, but no, the mission of Christ is not anything less than making all of us one with our creator, this three-person God, this trinity. 
for us to dance with this creator in life. You know, to not be in a static, like, we're here, God's there kind of situation, but to enjoy this world like this creator enjoys the world, to lament this world like this creator laments this world, to love like this creator and to love and to hate what this creator loves and hates, to have a history, have a shared life with this creator, for us to be one with this three-personed creator. It's a life together. Yeah, it's a life of joy and peace and righteousness, but that life is in a life together. That's why as Christians, we talk about this hope of the world that we have. There will be no more crying, no more death, no more tears, no more pain. Disease will be put away. Disasters will be put away. Hatred will be put away. Wars will end. It's a beautiful world. Everyone will be safe. There will be no oppression of anybody. Everyone has a part. No one's excluded. No one's marginalized. And we can think about this beautiful world, and we can think, like, oh, wouldn't it be great for us to be part of that world? And, and then it's sort of like, well, if God is a part of that, I mean, that's, that's, I guess that's nice, but it's sort of like secondary almost. It's not essential. But here in Genesis 1, what we understand is this whole creation, everything in this world, and the life that this world is meant to enjoy. It's a life that is part of the creator's life. You know, this has obviously big implications for how we are made and wired, especially when we talk about we, uh, us being made in God's image. And actually, John spells this out a little bit in ch- chapter 17, too. Um, but we'll talk about this in a couple weeks and actually throughout the rest of our series in Genesis 1 to 12 this fall. But just for us to think, why did this three-person creator make us and make this world? Did this three-person creator have to make this world? You know, one answer to that question, I think, is that this three-person creator made us and made this world as, like, a dance partner. You know, not because this creator was lonely and wanted company. This creator is a community of perfect love and perfect unity. Like, they didn't need anything. They weren't lonely. He wasn't lonely, this creator. This creator could dance. They were dancing. But it seems like this creator wants to make the dance team bigger, to extend this love that is within this creator community. You can think of this universe as, and the making of this world and the making of us in Genesis 1 as sort of like an explosion of the love of this creator. Like if there was a big bang, I mean, that would have been the sound of the creator's love being expressed. What a beautiful sound. And this is why, as people who follow Christ and who take Genesis 1 seriously, this is why Christians see the world as good and beautiful. And we look at things in this world and interact with things in this world and, you know, in this world, like, joyfully, with love, even. Genesis 1 just 
I mean, again, we could talk for many weeks about this, but for today, for us to take these two very, I think, simple takeaways. This creator is a community. And I think it puts us in awe. Puts us in what, like, wow, that's a beautiful community. I mean, we have pictures. I mean, think about just the communities that you're a part of. Thinking about, like, the best team you've ever been a part of. And why it was so great. And then, and then think, you know, like, this creator community is like that and much more. You know, like, one of the, one of the I think, reasons why it's hard for us to kind of get a grip on this and maybe for us to really ingest Genesis 1 is that our experiences in teams are, are, are often pretty bad. You know, and maybe our experiences in families are pretty bad. Our experiences with friends can be pretty bad. And, you know, at work, too. Like, you know, or, like, at school, like, some of you guys, you know, you find out it's, like, a group project. It's like, oh, no. <laughs> you know? Like, oh, no, not the group project, you know? And, and it's, like, it's, and because we have these very real experiences, it's, like, well, you know, the creator is the community. Like, what does that, you know, what? Like, what does that look like? And that's hard for me. It's, like, it, actually, we're just talking about the father image. If you, if you had a terrible relationship with a father or your father, like, sometimes it's hard. Like, oh, God is your father. Like, oh, really? Like, what? You know, and it, sometimes it feels that same way, like, when we talk about God as a community. But I just encourage you. You know, I know it might not come that easy for us, but as we think of this creator, this creator of all things, not just as a single person, but as a beautiful community, that's held together in love. And this world and all of us as creations of that community, products of that community, birthed out of that community. And we're meant to understand that this is who the creator is and this is also something that we're meant to have in our life. Our life, this world, was designed to fit into that community, that dance team. This is the world we live in. This is the world that we're waiting for when Jesus returns. Amen. Let's pray. Um, I'm just going to give us just a minute here, um, just a moment. And I just invite us to be in just awe and just think, God, you, you are three, but you are one. And you are this community, this perfect community in love. So together, so in sync. And you, like the Father glorifies the Son, the Son glorifies the Father, and so on. And the love that is shared in you, God, it's amazing. It, it quiets us. It inspires us. And just, just using our own words, I was just ask, can we just take a minute, a moment, and just something, just use words like that that I just said, or just some kind of expression, just recognizing the beauty of our Creator the love in our creator.
God, creator of all things, we acknowledge um, trying to recognize you, even though we only know you in part. Lord, we recognize your beauty. Even though we can only see it in part, we recognize your beauty. Lord, we appreciate your love, your goodness. Lord, your dance is beyond us. Your unity and your oneness, it's beyond us, but Lord, we're beholding a piece of it, and we're worshiping you. We're thankful to you. And Lord, we're opening ourselves uh, again uh, to a life in you, in your community of love. Lord, we worship you. We sing your praises. We honor you. Uh, church, let's um, let's just sing this uh, song, "How Great Is Our God," just as a continuation of our prayer.
Jesus laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. God invites us to receive and give and experience his love together. And we will keep praying together. Um, and as we do that, I will end each part by saying, Jesus laid down his life for us. And when I do that, please say, let us also love one another. Jesus laid down his life for us. Father God, thank you for revealing yourself to us through Jesus 2,000 years ago and by the Holy Spirit today. The love and fellowship you share is beautiful and perfect. It is amazing that you bring us together into love and fellowship with you and with each other. Truly, we love because you first loved us. Jesus laid down his life for us. And this is how you showed your love for us. 
and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Thank you for your Holy Spirit, whom you have sent to indwell us, by whom we cry, Abba, Father, and who bears witness with our spirit that we are your children. Abba, Father, we are so thankful to be called yours. Jesus laid down his life for us. Abba, Father, it is through your Holy Spirit that we are united to Christ and in fellowship with one another in your family. We pray as Jesus prayed for us that we would be one. May we become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent Jesus to the world and that you love us even as you loved your son, Jesus. Jesus laid down his life for us. We want the world to know your love and to worship you. Draw all people from different communities, nations, and societies to yourself. We pray for those who are suffering from the recent natural disasters in Libya, Morocco, and Hawaii, that you would give mercy, comfort, and relief to all those in need. Jesus laid down his life for us. Among us too, Lord, are those who are hurting and anxious. God, you see us and know our every thought, our every need. We cast our burdens onto you because you care for us. Forgive us of our tendencies toward self-sufficiency and wallowing in shame. Remind us that we can come to you always, for you are near to the brokenhearted, and you do not despise a broken and contrite spirit. Jesus laid down his life for us. We love you, God. Who is like you, so one with such harmony and unity and love? There is none like you. We delight in your being and who you are. Jesus, uh, at one point in his life, he said, I'm the living bread that comes down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And we know that that means not just immortality, that means a life in the community of God. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. He says, this bread, this myself, I give for the life of the world. And when we take um, what we call communion, this, this bread and this cup, uh, we remember that when Jesus uh, explained it to his disciples, he said, this bread is my flesh, my body, broken for you. And this cup is the cup of my blood shed for the forgiveness of sins. And we remember these words, the bread that he gives us, his own flesh, he gives for the life of the world, the life of the world, for our world to be part of that life of the creator together. It does, doesn't happen by our own manufacturing. It doesn't happen by our own 
just great legislation. It doesn't happen by education and so on. It ultimately happens and happens uniquely and only um, through Christ. And this is what we celebrate when we take communion. And so we're going to say the creed. Um, and then after we do that, I invite you to go either to that wall or that wall and take um, uh, an element. And as we take it, just remember that this flesh is the flesh he gives for the life of the world so that we can be connected to that life. And by eating it, by drinking it, we're saying, yes, Lord, we partake in it and we acknowledge um, that this world is coming, this life is coming for all of us through you. So let's say this uh, creed, which is just a summary of the story um, that we speak every day, every week, um, the story that gives us you know, our, our hope for life in this world. Let's say this together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty. Please come and take the elements. This is how we know. This is how we know what love is. Just one look at your cross. This is where we see. This is where we see how love works. For you surrender your all. And this is how we know that you have loved us first. And this is where we chose to love you in return. For you so loved the world that you gave your only son. Love amazing, so divine. We will love you in return for this life that you give, for this death that you have died. Love amazing, so divine. We will love you in reply, Lord. When you're ready, please stand if you're able. This is how we know, this is how we know what love is. Just one look at your cross. This is where we see, this is where we see how love works. For you surrendered your all. And this is how we know that you have loved us first and this is where we chose to love you in return for you so loved the world that you gave your 
this earth that you have died, love amazing, so divine. We will love you in reply, Lord. And our love will be loud, our love will be strong. Our love should be hands and feet that serve you in this world. So let us
so good to talk about our hope in Christ. It's so good to talk about who this God is. It's just a beautiful hope that we have in Christ for us in our world. Let's go uh, out from here with that, with that hope, living out that hope, sharing that hope with others, pointing people to this beautiful hope that Christ has given us. 
stronger, stronger. Sin is broken. Uh, he saved us from the life of this world. So in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, go, go off from here with beautiful hope and peace. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. Please stick around, say hello to somebody or somebody new, um, and uh, we look forward to seeing you all soon.